Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. Preparing our hearts for worship this morning. Receive God's word. Uh, this morning we begin a new sermon series called Living in Between. Uh, hopefully you'll see the beautiful artwork that's in your, above your sermon notes section there in your bulletin. It's going to help highlight the truths that we are going to sink our teeth into during this sermon series. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a pew Bible in front of you. You can turn to page 983, 983 in your pew Bible. As we're going to read just one verse to get started this morning, and then we will, we will investigate some other verses together today as well. But Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 27. The Apostle Paul writes as he is in prison to the church at Colossae that uh, he had never visited. So this was his first communication with them. It says Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that through Jesus you offer us faith, hope, and love. So, Father, we come here today with faith in Jesus and faith in your Spirit. That you're going to open our ears to hear your word. That you're going to open our eyes to see Jesus. You're going to help our minds to comprehend the truths contained herein. And we're looking to you in faith today. That you will transform our hearts and our lives through the reading, the preaching, the teaching of your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What happened on February 7th, 2021? Do you know? That was just this year. What happened on February 7th, 2021? Do you know? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers became... Super Bowl champions, how easily we forget short-term memory. So let me ask you, on that day, did they really become Super Bowl champions on that day? They did, right? They became Super Bowl champions. But what is awarded to Super Bowl champions? What is it? The Vince Lombardi Trophy, but there's another gift that's awarded to Super Bowl champions. The ring. When did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receive their rings, their Super Bowl ring? Do you know? The day after? They wish. They did not receive their rings until July 22nd, 2021 of this year. So they spent five and a half months living in anticipation of getting their ring. Now, were they already Super Bowl champions? Yes, they were already in possession of that title and that status of Super Bowl champions. But there was something that they were still waiting on to receive. 
There was something else that they were still waiting to possess, and that was their Super Bowl ring. Can you imagine, for those that aren't Tom Brady on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they see him out maybe at one of their, their children's sporting events, they say, hey, you're Super Bowl champion. By the way, where's your ring? And what do they have to say? Oh, we're still waiting on it. So in other words, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lived much of this year in a tension. What was the tension? It was the tension between the fact that they were already Super Bowl champions, but there were still aspects of that championship they had not yet received. Now, I know we didn't come here today to celebrate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their Super Bowl championship. Rather, we came here to focus on Jesus. And the reason I share that reality, that truth with you today, is because it highlights and illustrates Something about the Christian life. Every Christian lives in tension. Are you aware of that? Maybe you sense it within your gut, you sense it within your belly that as Christians we live within a tension, but we live within a tension for a specific reason. We live as Christians in a tension because we live between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. That's why this sermon series is titled, Living in Between. That's why the artwork has, in the first coming, a picture of the cradle, the stable. And the, the second picture pictures the second coming of Jesus. You see, we have many family members and church family members this season that are grieving. For those that die in Christ, do they have the hope of the resurrection? Yes. Why? Because Jesus has already come, he's already lived, he's already died, he's already resurrected and ascended. But, for my dad that died in Christ, if you go to the hills of West Virginia, I know that his body still rests in the grave until one day when Christ comes again. And at that point, his body will be resurrected United back with his spirit, but his body will be transformed. What's the point? As Christians, we live in a tension between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. Let me give you another example to highlight this tension. Yes or no? I want you to respond so everybody can know how biblical you are if you're a heretic. <laughs> Has Jesus defeated Satan? Yes or no? Amen. You're all correct. You're not heretics. Has Jesus sent Satan into the lake of fire for eternity? Not yet. What's the point? As Christians, we live in a tension as we live between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. There are two very biblical and scholars one by the name of Jehardus Voss and the other one by George Eldon Ladd that highlight this fact called, this theological category called the already but not yet tension. That as Christians we live in a tension because we live between Christ's first coming and second coming because of this. There are aspects of our salvation in Christ that have already been accomplished by Christ. Yet there are some aspects of our salvation that we don't possess fully yet until Christ comes Again, you get the point. Why do I belabor this point this morning? Because that is 
the title of our sermon series for Advent. It's called Living in Between. So here's what I want us to do over the next several weeks. I want us to take the themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and peace, and I want us to view those themes of hope, love, joy, and peace through the lenses or through the lens of the already not yet tension. And so this morning, as Christians, we're called to persevere in hope because of Jesus. Even as we live in between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. Why should you? Why should you persevere as you grieve? Why should you persevere with hope? As you battle with sin that you're battling in your life, why should you persevere as the Holy Spirit continues to sanctify your heart? And why should you persevere with hope and not be overwhelmed to the point of wanting to tap out on your relationship with Jesus? Because of the hope Jesus offers you. As you live in this already not yet tension. So this morning I want us to take a look at two reasons. Two reasons why we can persevere in hope because of Jesus. As we live in between his first coming and his second coming. The first reason you can live with hope is for this reason. You see it in verse 27. Jesus is in you. Here's the first reason why you can persevere with hope. As you live in between Christ's first coming and second coming is because Jesus is in you. Look at what it says. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. The mystery of the gospel that had been hidden for many ages but now have been revealed. That Jesus of Nazareth is the long promised Messiah. And the mystery of the fact that God's people will be made up of both Jews and Gentiles that have been justified by faith. In Jesus Christ. He says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why should you persevere in hope as you live in between Christ's first coming and second coming? Friends, because Jesus is in you. Do you know how? Because when the Holy Spirit drawed you to the Son... The Holy Spirit convinced you of your sinfulness. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your sinfulness. And the, it was the act of the Holy Spirit that regenerated your heart and took you from spiritual death to spiritual life. And at that moment, in God's eyes, in God's economy, you were justified in His sight. As the holy, just judge of the universe, you were declared innocent of all charges. You were pardoned of all your sins. And you were accepted as righteous in his sight. Not because of anything in yourself, but because of what Christ has done on your behalf. And at that moment, you were adopted. In God's eyes, you were viewed as one of his children. You're given all the rights and privileges of being children of God. And that is what we are for those of us who look to faith, look to Christ in faith. And you were filled with his Holy Spirit. And it's Jesus in you that gives you hope. Because in the face of suffering, you know Jesus is with you. Why? Because Jesus is in you. And in the face of grief, you will grieve, but you will grieve with hope. 
Because those who are in Christ, you know, have now gone on to be with Christ. Why? Because Jesus was in them. And I want you to see in this passage how it was the reality of Jesus being in the Apostle Paul that motivated him to persevere in the face of great suffering. Remember the context of Colossians. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison. But look at what he says in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church. In other words, he rejoices that he's suffering for the sake of the gospel. That the gospel might go forth. That Jews and Gentiles both might hear the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That he's come, he's lived, he's died, he's resurrected, ascended, and he's coming again. He says, verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And how does this truth encourage him to persevere? Look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. How was God the Son able to work his his power within him so that the Apostle Paul could persevere because Jesus was in him through the Holy Spirit. I'm excited about this series. Can you tell? This truth reminds me of an old Gatorade commercial. How many of you remember the Gatorade commercials that had the athletes in black and white and gray. Do you remember those Gatorade commercials? But as the athletes perform their activities, as the, as the marathon runner runs, he or she begins to perspire. And as the commercial is all in black and white and gray, you notice that a pop of color begins to come onto your television screen. Because as the athletes sweat... The type of Gatorade that they drink, whether it be the blue Gatorade, the purple Gatorade, the orange Gatorade, the red Gatorade, begins to perspire through their flesh. And then the tagline is Gatorade. Is it in you? Friends, we run the race before us that Christ set. It is a marathon of faith. And what will help you persevere in this race? Jesus in you. What will help you run this race with hope? It is Jesus in you. It is because Jesus lives in you that you will persevere with hope. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 that highlights this point even more beautifully. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 13 of chapter 1, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice that the apostle Paul says, hey, this is already in your possession, brothers and sisters in Christ. You are already children of God. You're already redeemed. You're already forgiven. You're already washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so for this reason, you have hope in the face of sin. You have hope in the face of suffering. You have hope in the face of persecution. You have hope even in the face of death. Why? Because Jesus is in you. That's the first reason why we should persevere 
with hope as we live in between Christ's first coming and second comings because Jesus is in you. The second reason that this passage gives us is because Jesus is your guarantee. Jesus is your guarantee. Particularly, his resurrection is the guarantee of your resurrection. Look what he says, verse 27 of chapter 1. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That little word glory carries a lot of weight theologically. It is pregnant with meaning. That little word of glory is comprehensive in what it communicates to us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. God's glory here pictures, in one sense, the promise of God's presence. That the Apostle Paul says is already Christ in you. But obviously, the Apostle Paul is looking forward to the second coming of Christ. When all of those that are in Christ will have their bodies resurrected and transformed into the glorified bodies that they will have for all of eternity. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that as we take a stroll down the corridor of redemptive history, as we are confronted with the truth of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we know that the end of the age has begun to break into this time frame and that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. Particularly, Jesus' resurrection is the first fruit of the resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. In other words, what he's saying is that Jesus is your guarantee. Jesus is your guarantee that there is hope even in the face of death. Because Jesus has conquered Satan's sin and death with his death, burial, and resurrection. And as he sits by the side of God the Father in heaven right now, there is coming a day when he will have a second advent. But in his second advent, he will not come as a humble baby boy lying in a manger. But he will come as a victorious king. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Does that give you hope this morning? It should. Because Jesus' resurrection is your guarantee that there's hope for those who die in Christ. The Apostle Paul says it in another way in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies life through his spirit who dwells in you. What is the Apostle Paul saying? Jesus is your guarantee. Jesus is your guarantee of being resurrected from the dead. Jesus is your guarantee that you'll not only be able to live this life with the assurance of God's presence in you, but Jesus is your guarantee that you will be able to enjoy all of eternity in the presence of the one and only true, holy, and triune God. Jesus is your guarantee, and that's why we can live with hope and persevere 
as we live between Christ's first coming and second coming. A couple of weeks ago, I had to purchase a new computer. I experienced a lot of peer pressure from some of our church members. As I have been persecuted the last two to three years, I've been your pastor as I have been an owner of a just an ordinary, plain old PC. And so I was encouraged to go Apple this time, to buy a MacBook. I was told and I was exhorted that once you go Mac, you won't go back, was what I was told. And so with enough persecution, with enough twisting my arm, I took the plunge and bought a MacBook Pro. But I was disappointed that I didn't get to take it home with me when I bought it. Because I went to the computer place, and who would think that a computer store wouldn't have computers in stock? But it's the day that we live in. And so I remember coming back and talking to some of the church members, talking to some of the church staff, and they said, where's your computer? I was like, well, I've got it. I've bought it, but it hasn't arrived yet. And they said, well, how do we know that you bought a Mac? You know what I did? I pulled out my wallet and I pulled out the receipt. It was the proof of purchase, which I also needed when I went back to pick up the MacBook. Well, what was that receipt? It was the proof that I had been per- that that computer had been purchased. It was the guarantee that I did own one, although it was not currently in my actual possession. Christians, we can get discouraged as we live in the tension that this world offers us. We can often get discouraged and we can have friends and family members that doubt our salvation and maybe even doubt the reality of Jesus Christ because they say, if Jesus is resurrected, then where is he? But friends, we look back during this Advent season to Christ's first coming. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension as proof that he's coming again. We look back to Christ's first coming as proof that we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. And we look back to his first coming as the guarantee that one day he will come again. Why? Because Jesus is your guarantee that there's hope. I want to talk to two different groups in our sanctuary this morning as we close. The first group of you are those of you that believe in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to do two things this Advent season. First, I want you to savor your Savior. Savor your Savior this Advent season. Ask the Lord Jesus to deepen your knowledge of his coming. To deepen your knowledge of the hope that he offers you. To deepen your commitment to him in the face of discouragements that you face. So ask Jesus to help you savor him as your Savior. 
And secondly, I would encourage those of you that trust Christ as your Savior to share your Savior. When people ask you why you're spending so much time in these church walls with so many services, share the good news of your Savior. Share how Christ has offered you hope in the face of the last two years when there have been a lot of uncertainties. Share how Christ offers you hope in the face of loss of a loved one. Share how Jesus offers you hope in the face of uncertainties financially or with your job or even with our country, our nation, and where it's headed. Savor your Savior and share your Savior this Advent season. Do you know why you should do that? Because he's coming again. And now is the time of salvation. Which brings me to the second group of people in this sanctuary I'd like to talk to this morning. For some of you, you may not have trusted Christ as your Savior. And you may feel this morning as if you're without hope. Let me talk to you bluntly and let me talk to you frankly. Because I know that Satan has a tendency to lie to us. Satan tends to tell us that the only way that Jesus will accept us is if we get ourselves all prettied up and cleaned up and then come to him. That's not true. Jesus accepts you just as you are. Jesus is the one who will clean you. Jesus is the one who will save you. Jesus is the one who will make you all prettied up. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. Do you know why? Because the gift of salvation is a gift. It's nothing we earn or deserve, but it's something that's given freely to us through Christ. And so if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you that this Christmas season is the perfect time of all times to trust Him. Will you do so? Because there is coming a day when it will no longer be the time between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. But there is coming a time when Jesus will return. And at that time, there will be no more time to repent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. Father, my prayer is that the gospel has come forth clearly today. In my weak finite, limited ability to articulate it. May your spirit move now that those who know you and love you and serve you would have their hearts strengthened with faith, hope, and love in Christ. And I pray, Father, for those that don't know you, that don't love you, that haven't served you, then I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would shine into their hearts and their lives today. 
that they would admit that they're not perfect, they would admit that they're a sinner deserving of your judgment, that they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you assure us that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I pray, Lord, you would do that miracle in hearts right now, that some would come from spiritual darkness to spiritual light, that some would go from spiritual death to spiritual life, that they would be justified in your sight, declared pardon of all their sins, accepted as righteous in your sight, only because they've trusted and believed in Christ. They would be adopted by you and granted all the rights and privileges of being called children of God, for that is what they are. They would be filled with your Holy Spirit and sealed to the day of redemption because you have given us a promise that we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Give us hope today, O Father God, because our hope is in Jesus. So Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray, and all of God's people agreed, saying, Amen. Let us respond.